The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Senior Minister is the Reverend Derek B. Wells, and the founder is the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. If you're in the Chicagoland area, please stop by Christ Universal Temple. We would love to have you. Uh, we'll treat you right. You'll feel real good, and you'll want to come back and bring friends. Also, if you're not in the area or you just want to Check us out. Go online and look at our live stream at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. Also, just as a reminder that I do have a Facebook page that supports this show. It's called Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Please like it. Go on Facebook if you have a Facebook page. Like it and, um, you know, reach out, support send me messages let me know what the you know how the show is working for you you know the information you're receiving questions etc etc but most importantly share it let people know about it so today we are continuing our series on discover the power within you this is a book that was written by eric butterworth in the 60s and i consider it a top five book in new thought uh, an extremely important book, whatever brand of New Thought. If you're not even a New Thought student, but you want to learn more about metaphysical uh, New Thought teachings, if you want to learn more about uh, the mystical nature or aspects of Christianity, if you want to learn more about how the power of the Spirit of God in you works, how consciousness works, how to apply metaphysics to Scripture, et cetera, et cetera, this is the book for you. I think it is an absolute masterpiece. I did ask everyone who was following along with this series to actually purchase the book or find it online or do something, but get the book. I'll be teaching it chapter by chapter. Today I'm teaching The Great Decision, but I'll be teaching it chapter by chapter. So it's really important that you realize that as you I'm going through this material, read the chapters ahead of time. So when I'm addressing the the material, as I'm teaching the chapter, you are now going over the second, third, or fourth time, and you will be able to hopefully get insight that you wouldn't have received if you're just listening to it initially without reading the material, because it's something about reading the material first, then hearing it. Then you can ask questions. So if you have questions, obviously you can email me or you can go to my Facebook page and, you know, we can talk it out and see if I can help you along the way. But always remember that the real teacher is on the inside. So let's get to it. The great decision. Last week we did the great discovery, discovering the tr- this inner divinity, discovering the truth of who and what we are, discovering what Jesus discovered in himself. And last week we talked about how that same truth that was in Jesus is in us. So now we need to make a decision about it. So on page 14 of the book, it is written, what did Jesus really teach? The 
answer is not easy to formulate simply because we have been so conditioned by the religion about Jesus. For the religion of Jesus, we can only turn to the four Gospels of the New Testament and read the words as they have been recorded. And I would say attributed. I think that um, we get in trouble biblically as biblical students when we automatically say every word that's in red in your Bible, Jesus said it just like that. Uh, You know, I don't really agree with that. Um, You know, but that's not the purpose of this show. Anyway. It says, Jesus did not come to found a new religion. He said, think not that I have claimed to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill from Matthew 5.17. So Mr. Butterworth goes on to say, he sought only to upgrade the teachings of the prophets to interpret the ancient truths in the light of contemporary experience. He formulated no creeds. I completely agree with that. He created no rituals. And, you know, that's the, depending on what we consider rituals, uh, because he did have a communal meal. You know, now we call it communion, but that was really just, you know, a, a meal, a real meal when they would eat and et cetera. I don't know if it was initiated by Jesus, but it was an early Christian tradition. Uh, doesn't mean it's something to be followed for all time, but that's another conversation yet again uh, that I'm not going to get into right now. He says he created no ritual. He developed no theology. Now. I'll say he developed no theology. I wrestle with that term. I've been wrestling with that for a while because I believe every person has their own personal theology. You know, even if you don't believe in God, that's your personal theology. What do I mean by that? Because theo means God. Theology is God talk, words about God, basically how you view or see God. And there are people who don't believe in God. They call them atheists, theists, okay? Atheist means no God, because it's from theist or theism. Theo, see, theo, theism. So uh, atheist is the person who believes there is no God. Therefore, that's their theology, as I would understand it. An agnostic, uh, gnostic means knowledge. So a person that's agnostic basically says, I have no knowledge. So they're not pro or against, all right? So so from that standpoint, I believe Jesus had a personal theology. I don't know, you know, when he's talking about he developed, I think it developed in him. I don't, in the sense of he was a person who who discovered the truth within himself. Now, I know we, you know, have this concept of Jesus coming fully packaged, you know, sort of like with some of the apocryphal gospels and that Jesus, you know, you know, picking up, you know, deceased birds and they fly away again and all these type of, you know, fanciful stories. But he was a person who developed and grew into the understanding of who he was. You know, how long that process took, we don't know. What was involved in that, we don't know. We do know that at a certain point in time, um, as a person who was most likely a follower at one point or another of John the Baptist, discovered the truth about himself and went forward with his understanding of God humanity and life and he changed the world that we do know now so i believe everybody has a personal theology so when i you know for me he developed no theology does not mean that he did not have a theology now he was a product of his jewish uh, religion judaism but he was also a person who like anybody else added his contribution to it no different than People today who who have continued to add or contribute to their brand or their understanding of their religion, you know, uh, a Martin Luther King added to or brought back a sense of social justice to Christianity in in the civil rights movement. Gandhi did the same with some of Jesus's teachings, along with uh, that was being interpreted by Leo Tolstoy. You know, but again, that's not the point of that. The only thing I'm stopping is at that point where he said he developed no theology. I wrestle with that because if you really, really pin yourself down and you really start asking yourself some hard questions, you have certain beliefs about God, some that are not necessarily consistent with what you publicly profess. And sometimes that's the contradiction. 
that we have in the soul does, that does not allow us to completely um, express what we say, we, we say, we say, we say we believe. Many people have their own personal theology. But moving on, I don't want to stop there. So it says the alpha and omega of his teaching was the divinity of man. He said to the people, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. That's from John 10, 34. He says his was a vitalizing religion of the spirit, leading men and women to a direct, personal, intimate relationship with the father, where the element of immediacy is primal and not through the intermediary or some other person or agency. Now, how did he teach this? He taught it simply for this, even using terms like divinity of man and et cetera, is um, something that we use now as modern language. But how did Jesus actually teach it? Um, you can find out in the, in the first gospel. And the first gospel that was written is the gospel of Mark, not the first gospel in the Bible. But the first gospel that was written is the gospel of Mark. At least that is the consensus amongst, amongst most scholars. And it is written in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And this is the New Revised Standard Version. So your Bible might um, uh, translate it differently. It is stated, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, we read that and we put our religious brains on it. But the time is fulfilled. Now's the time. That's all he's saying. Now is the time. After John the Baptist was put in jail, he, he, he started proclaiming the time is now. The kingdom of God, some translations had translated at hand. I like that better, actually. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's a now experience. It's not something that's coming. It's now. Repent. Now, we repent just means change your mind. And in Aramaic, it basically means making about face. That's the best way. Turn around. Turn back to God. And believe. Believe means to accept is true. The good news. Some say gospel. The word gospel means the good news. So it's good news that the time is now. The kingdom of God or the presence of God or activity of God is here right now. Change my mind. Turn back to God and believe in this good news. That's how he taught it. That's how he taught it. And, and that's how we have to continually continue to work with it. He goes on to say, Eric Butterworth, page 15, Christianity is not an end in itself. You cannot complete the work of salvation or enter the kingdom of heaven merely by joining a church or professing a creed. What is called conversion is not the end of the road. Maybe it is simply finding a road on which to travel. To Jesus, religion was not simply a way of believing or worshiping. It was a way of living. So people many times think, okay, once I join the church, and I'm baptized, or some say in the water, or some say you got to uh, profess Jesus, then you got to be dunked. Then some people believe you got to speak in tongues. There's all different type of ways people do this. They think, okay, the work is done. Jesus, Jesus did it all. But that's not Jesus' teaching. We are still responsible for the con our own consciousness. It's going to make a difference how we do it. Now, there, there, there's something to dealing with that material of, I mean, with the information of what does it do to the soul when the first person feels as though that the wrong that they've done has been put on somebody else. That's a projection of consciousness. And people sometimes really feel like their guilt has been lifted and because they feel as though Jesus is, is took it. Now, that's a psychological process, but that's not necessarily based in fact or truth. It's a projection. But then people end up finding out later on in life that um, they thought that that would answer everything. But no, it just gave them a path to walk on. Also, uh, depending on your brand, people will still try to hold your salvation, quote unquote, from you. 
So even though a person professes a creed or joins a church, if they, you know, when I was growing up, they used to call it backsliding. Well, you know, Christians who used to be good church members who are now on the quote unquote highway to hell because of the their lifestyles, you know, you know, and that depended on your religious brand. You know, if if you're doing one of the, you know, Lord knows if you did, you broke one of the major 10, the 10 commandments or, you know, for some people that was partying, drinking, smoking, drugs, whatever. You know, there are people now even in, with the political arena where that, you know, with, with the Catholic Church, it's not a diss, it's just an observation. Uh, who says, okay, if you don't agree with these positions of the church, then you can't have communion. What is that doing? That's saying we're going to take God from you. So the moment we start to believe that somebody has the ability to interfere with our own communion with God, we've been suckered into believing that the divinity isn't within us. We've been suckered into believing that we're not the divine expressions of God. We've been suckered into the belief that we have to do something else and maintain it and go through special people in special places and do special things for us to have a right relationship with God. All that is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. God doesn't require any rituals. God doesn't require any sacrifices. God doesn't require any uh, particular church, any particular book, any particular whatever. We have to make the decision. The decision, and we're going to get to that later in the, in, uh, in the show, that we are the image and likeness of God. We are the divine expression of God. We are. And and I want you to make sure I'm not saying Jesus, the man of 2000 years ago. We are the Christ. Because the Christ is God's idea of itself that Jesus perfectly expressed. But the God's idea of itself is within every person. That's the truth. I'm not telling you to go around and start t- telling people I'm the Christ. That's foolish. What I am saying is you have to know within your own soul what is true about Jesus is true about me. The difference between Jesus and me is consciousness, not nature. That's something to to, to ponder. The, The truth about me is I'm divine. No matter how foolish I act sometimes, no matter how dumb I've been in the past, I'm still the self-expression of God. I'm still an idea in the mind of God. I'm still a point of awareness in the mind of God. I'm still the composite idea that contains all the divine ideas of God. I'm still the I am. Right here and right now. And nothing I can do can change the truth of who I am. But I can through my thinking, feeling, words, actions, and reactions determine my life experiences because life does not necessarily bend to who I am. Life gives me what my consciousness produces. All right. So we're coming close to our first break, and I do want to remind you that this show and all the other shows on Unity Online Radio are supported by your donation. So please click on the Donate button. So um, we can continue sending this show and shows like it to the world. Uh, again, freely you have received, freely give. So support the show. Let us know um, that you value what you are receiving. Um, if you want to call into the show, um, the number was given. But let me give you that number again. Um, I turn from that sheet of page. I believe it's eight eight eight. Five five eight, I believe it's six four eight nine. So, yes, eight 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 five five eight six four eight nine. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Thank you. 
If you've tuned in for Touching the Stillness with host Reverend Paulette Pipe, then you know the power of her soul-stirring meditations. And if her programs leave you wanting more, you can purchase her meditation CD, Touching the Stillness, and you'll be able to take Paulette's calming voice along with you wherever you go. This enthralling CD contains three separate self-contained meditations that can either be listened to in one sitting or one at a time. Whatever your preference, Paulette's mesmerizing voice will transport you beyond thoughts and sounds to a sacred place of stillness and soul remembrance. So go ahead, enliven your meditation practice with the Touching the Stillness CD from Reverend Paulette Pipe and let the stillness touch you. To obtain your copy, go to www.unity.org and click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. And if you want to call in to the show, you can call at 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. We're going to go forward with the show on page... <clears throat> 19, excuse me, not page 19. I've jumped over a whole bunch of stuff. Page 15, Jesus' scripture in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter ye by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many are they that enter into thereby. For narrow is the gate, and straightened the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. Now, on page 16, uh, Eric Butterworth makes a great point in my opinion. He states, I've heard people rejoice in the fact that they have found a religion that is broad-minded, by which they mean a religion that will take them as they are and make no effort to change them, a religion that gives them freedom, the freedom to do as they please. A religion that does not promote transformation is no religion at all. You might as well say, I found an engineering school that is broad-minded, broad-minded that will make no effort to change me. If there were such a school, it would be a waste of time and money to enroll in it. Now, I think what he's saying is, as I interpret it, that, you know, sooner or later, a teaching should challenge you to be your best. Uh, A teaching should challenge you to evolve past your biases and prejudices. A teaching should help you release the past so you can create new futures. If, you know, this is a, you know, it's sort of like having, having children in a house, but you have no rules. No, no get up time, no go to bed time, no, uh, this is when you eat, this is what you have to eat. No, uh, you know, no rules about running up and down and pulling on stuff and knocking stuff down or TV time or what they can and can't watch or what they can and can't listen to, can go in and outside the house anytime, etc. Now, the beauty of new thought is new thought gives you freedom, but it gives you freedom and an understanding that this is a universe that's governed by divine law. And you don't want to think anything, feel anything, say anything 
act any kind of way or react any kind of way because you know that the divine law will bring back to you that which is consistent with the seed you've put into it. So, yeah, you're free, but not free to be a fool, free to evolve, free to express the great good attributes of God, free to be love, free to be joy, free to be wisdom, free to be understanding, not free to be a fool. Sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you know, one of the one of the byproducts of true freedom is, yeah, you get to do your thing. But understand that doing your thing means you have to be responsible. You know, one of the one of the great biblical allegories is the Garden of Eden story. The Adam and Eve ate the knowledge of the, the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and they're discarded from the Garden of Eden. And they put the uh cherubim or supposed to be big angels with the flaming swords to block Adam and Eve or anyone else from going into the garden. All of this is allegorical. The point of the story is this. The Garden of Eden is, is super consciousness or God awareness. And Adam representing the thinking and Eve the feeling nature uh, in a in a lower level of consciousness can't access that level of power responsibly. So they're banned from it, per se. Now, what does that mean to us literally? What that means is while we're functioning at lower levels of human consciousness, what it takes for us to demonstrate, to produce, to manifest things seems to take sometimes longer than just think it and it just shows up. Where Jesus could think it, feel it, say it, and produce it. And and great wisdom teachers like him throughout the Bible and other religion, religions. Well, picture having the ability to manifest like that at your current level of consciousness. It would be similar to that movie Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey, where where Morgan Freeman playing God gave him the ability just to be God of the city of New York and how he wrecked himself and the lives of others simply because he had omnipotence, all power. He was all power, but he didn't have omniscience. He wasn't all wisdom. So we want to access and demonstrate all power without the wisdom to know what that means. Charles Fillmore once wrote, you know, would you give a, 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 this is the gist of it. I don't know if he said it just like this, a $100 bill to a kid to go to the candy store. See, a, a, a small child will put a $100 bill in his or her mouth. They don't understand the value of it. And at lower levels of consciousness, we don't understand the value of our, the power that's within us. And as we evolve in consciousness, we, you know, we don't necessarily make um, good stewards of the power that's within us. So we need to be aware of that part of the great decision is making a decision to evolve. And as you evolve in consciousness, you can't play like you used to play about certain things. You can't just think anything, say anything, whatever, because as you go up in consciousness, you actually demonstrate much faster. You know, you know, so that's one of the things we need to work with. All right, moving on. Page 16, bottom of the page. Now we know that the nature of our being is such that it is only by a change of consciousness that outer conditions can be really altered. And this change in consciousness is the narrow gate and straightened way that Jesus speaks of. And as he says, the number of those who find it is mighty small. Why is this? Because of the pull of the way of the world about us. So he's saying, People don't find the narrow gate because because obviously this is a, a universe of infinite possibilities, which is fantastic. I think we should have infinite possibilities. But the question is this. How are we entering into those infinite possibilities as uh, the person who we think is only, uh, you know, heredity 
and conditioning or as a person who really believes that we are individualized expressions of God here to to make a contribution to the world, here to be the space of transformation for the world, to be the way of God instead of, as Gary Simmons says, in the way of God. So the pull of the way everybody else thinks can get us. That's, you know, we talk about it with children don't succumb to peer pressure. But peer pressure is not a thing only that children deal with. Peer pressure is something that adults deal with all the time. I'm Everybody's doing it. This is how they're getting ahead. You know, people violating their ethics and morality and integrity to to get what they feel as though they want. Because that's what they see the world doing. After a while, we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to get back to the brass tacks of working with the spiritual principles, not religious rules, rituals, and dogmas, spiritual principles that can help us live better lives. Because when you understand spiritual principle, you will be more on your mind than you were before. But you'll be freer with it as well because you know that that what you don't like, you can dismantle it in your mind and then recreate a new experience. All right. The book goes on to say, page 16, Paul says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 12, 12, 2, excuse me. Here is just here in just 16 words, he says, or he wrote, Paul reveals the greatest problem facing mankind today and also the key to man's salvation. Why do we turn back even if we sense that the end is near because we are conformed to this world? Mm. Moving on page 18. Jesus said, what shall a man be profit? What shall a man be profited if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? In the hour of personal decision, there are times when each of us must ask himself the question, shall I conform to the human standard of what is being done, even if this standard is not in keeping with the divine standard? I have intuitively sensed it as I have intuitively sensed it. Excuse me. So in other words, am I going to do this the way everybody else do it? You know, you know, so. It's important, you know, and I love um, how Dr. Rocco Errico translates this. He says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the world and loses himself? Because in Jesus's language, the word life and self and soul, it just means self. Have you ever felt as though you lost yourself at a job, in a relationship? Uh, in any experience where you feel as though in that experience, you really forgot who you are. Now, there's a sense of forgetting who you are humanly. It's a whole nother level to forget who you are spiritually. That's why one of the things we teach at Christ Universal Temple and in the Universal Foundation for Better Living is the primary cause of suffering. It's forgetfulness of our, of our divine nature as spiritual beings with dominion over our thoughts and feelings. We forget all the time who we are and we forfeit ourselves. We forfeit our own divinity, not literally, but in experience because we don't know who we are. Back to, to the book, page 19. The Christ standard is not a restraint. It is an inherent potential. It is the law of man's higher self. It is the ascending urge within man that keeps him unsatisfied with what he is and does and drives him on to higher goals of living and being. True fulfillment, the goal toward which all men bend their efforts and shape, and shape their struggles, can only be achieved through the opening out a way whence the imprisoned splendor may escape in every experience in life. So he's saying that you don't study the truth about who you are to be to restrain yourself. You do it to give yourself the opportunity to live 
in infinite possibilities. So, but to do so, to be fulfilled in the soul, you have to let out the beautiful that you are. You got to let it show. You have to let it shine. You have to let it literally shine because when you let it shine, it blesses everybody. Jesus said it this way, and I mean, this to me is very powerful. Matthew chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. Don't dim your light. Don't put the don't put your own dimming thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Don't put your own dimming words over your light. Don't shrink to the moment. Stand up and be the light. And you can still be in love, you can still be peaceful, but you'll be powerful. Because you're being the light that you are. The world is waiting for your for you to exercise your power in love. Now notice I said in love, because some people hear power and they go ego. I'm not talking about that type of power. I'm talking about the type of power that that is written when it's is stated in the Bible, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That type of power. It's important that we understand and know that the world is waiting for you to play big. When you discover the truth of who you are, everyone benefits. Because when you're being the way of God in your experience, you're touching and anointing all that concerns you. But you have to make the decision. That you will live from the Christ and you will not focus your attention on the nonsense. You know, one one of uh, years ago, I heard one of my spiritual, quote unquote, fathers, uh, Reverend Winston Johnson, say that we can focus, focus on the Christ or the crisis. And he talked about how the... Peter was walking on the water. As long as he kept his eyes on the Christ, he was fine, represented by Jesus in the story. And then he started to look down at the waves, and he started to sink. The waves are the crisis. You can look at the Christ, or you can look at the crisis, but you're not going to look at both. You have to make a decision that you can walk on the water when you have faith in your own inner divinity. What I'm trying to say to you today is this. You get to choose how you want to live. Are you going to live based upon who you think you are or are you going to live based upon who God says you are? There's something to think about. Something to think about. You know, so... Hopefully, there's something that you evolve. So, anyway, we're coming close to our second break. I want to give you, again, the opportunity to call in to 888-558-6489, Any questions, please give me a call. We're going to take our last, last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
Who are we? Who is God? And what is our life's purpose? Author and minister Ogan Holder found his answers the hard way through inner turmoil and doubt. With candor and humor, he shares why it's good to doubt, even if you're a minister, in Rants to Revelations, new from Unity Books. Simply put, to doubt myself is to doubt God. If I embrace God as the very operating principles of the universe, the connecting space between us, the fabric of existence, and that I am the physical embodiment of all that, then how could there be room for doubt in myself? My salvation lies in the following premise. Doubt is the beginning of faith. Read more from Rants to Revelations and order your copy today. Visit RantsToRevs.com. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have a call on the line. I believe her name is, is it Gaywande? That's right. Hi, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Reverend Galen? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. How you doing? Oh, good. I'm I'm enjoying this uh, series. I'm so glad that you did it. And I guess I have a comment and just wanted to get hear your feedback. Early in the show, you were talking about Jesus and his evolution into that Christ consciousness. I was at a unity service several years ago, and the minister there told one of the Bible stories from the gospel that I wasn't so familiar with about a woman taking her child to Jesus to be healed. And uh, the child was sick. Jesus uh, gave her a comment that he wasn't going to heal her daughter, uh, but she pushed him because he said, well, I guess she was from a different ethnic group or something. And she pushed him and said that even the master throws the bones to the dog, something. I just, the minister yeah, I'm familiar was making, with it, yeah. yeah, she was making the point that even Jesus at a point had put someone in a box and, and, and had separated himself. And I, and it was really enlightening for me because I guess the way I was taught about Jesus was that he was perfect. And that I could see that he was evolving even in this process of the story where he could decide to heal someone from a different ethnicity. So I just wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, one day. I appreciate the call. Um, you know, thank you. Well, uh, two levels of this one. Yeah. Uh, and many times in New Thought, we use different stories like that to explain that. Jesus was a person who was evolving and discovered the truth of who he was, you know, as, as the new Testament writers kept writing, Jesus, you know, evolved from, from, you know, uh, a person who was prophet, teacher, even Messiah to being God literally. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the stories that's used. Actually the story, uh, believe she was a Syrophoenician woman, I I believe. But anyway, Mm -hmm. she was, uh, had a daughter, 
she asked for healing. Jesus was like, uh, do you take the food off the table and give it to the dogs? That's actually what he's what's attributed to him. Right. And, she, and that's when she said, well, even the even the, the uh, dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And he's like, you know what? I call that the Arsenio Hall moment. Things that make you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus like, hmm, you got me on that one. But uh-huh. I think I think that's a good story to teach to everybody evolves. I now would, would would add something to that story, which would be that what I stated last week, that the Gospels are faith portraits of Jesus. And in that mm-hmm. particular story, um, this is just me talking. I'm, I'm not putting any uh, saying this is what scholars say or don't say. This is how I would mm-hmm. work with this as, as an add on to that story is each gospel writer portrayed Jesus in the light that they wanted to be him to be portrayed. I believe that story is from the Gospel of Matthew, and then that's mm-hmm. a very, that's a very pro Jewish Jesus in that gospel, in a sense of you know um, you know I didn't come to break the law, you know he has his own new light, you know he has a, you know own new law in the Sermon on the Mount that's being told where these different sayings of Jesus are attributed to being in one go- one gospel and one sermon which almost no Bible scholar believes that the Sermon on the Mount was a one lesson uh, all mm-hmm. the way through. So this is just something that people taught as a way of saying that eventually the message of Jesus evolved past Jews to the Gentiles. And I think that that was mm-hmm. the main point that was trying to be uh promoted that he went to the Jewish person first, then he went to the Gentiles because that was the that was the essence of the message. Most likely in Jesus' day it probably was some Gentiles that followed him, but the movement didn't really become pro Gentile until mm-hmm. uh, Paul and people like himself went out there and started to teach, go to the synagogues, find people who were non Jews who who liked things that went along with the Jewish religion, et cetera, et cetera, and it evolved. So when the gospel was being written, that was had already happened. That mm-hmm. might not necessarily even reflect what was actually happening in Jesus's day. Also, I'm just not mm-hmm. a big believer in that. Every time you read something or some story that is actually factual, but okay. that's just me. But that mm-hmm. would be my own caveat. So it could be consistent with Jesus's behavior or not. The point of it mm-hmm. is this: it shows that that as a person he evolved. And mm-hmm. that's what counts. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Um, we're going to thank you for the call and we're going to go forward on page um, 19 uh, where it is stated. Occasionally, the student of truth with a Christian orientation will become hung up on the concept of accepting Jesus as his personal savior. He may ask, is there any way I can follow the Christian path without making a decision for Christ? I must reply, no, there is no possibility that can either understand or demonstrate what Jesus is teaching unless we make the great decision. However, let us be mighty sure of our terms, what is meant by a decision for Christ. Is it possible that many who hear the evangelist exhort his listeners to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior are thinking of a picture of a man, Jesus, and are emotionally prostrating themselves before him? Yet Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. And then I'm going to skip what Katie said and get to what he states. He quotes H. Only Katie. You can read that on your own. The Christ in you is you at the point of God. It is your hope of glory, for it is your true root and divine mind. However, you must make, excuse me, you must become conscious of this root of your being. You must make the decision to act as though you are a spiritual being of potential in a way. Making the decision for Christ is as fundamental as turning on the light. That's key. All right. So, yes, you're making a decision for Christ. But you're realizing that your savior is your true nature. Okay. And see, because normally when we say savior, we're saying, as we interpret that in 2013, uh, Jesus being your savior means you don't go to hell. We just have to be just point blank honest about that. But but salvation did not necessarily uh, that's not how that was. Salvation originally was not an afterlife concept in Judaism. That's something that evolved. Salvation was 
was helping people deal with and be free from what they were dealing with in life. So, you know, the people who are writing about salvation were trying to get free from oppression. And, and, and if you read the Bible, there was a whole lot of oppression going on. So we have to be honest enough to, to, to reevaluate that process, to make a decision for my own salvation is to get in tune with my own true nature, which saves me. My consciousness of truth then becomes my savior. So is Christ your savior? Absolutely. But you're the Christ. And when I say Christ, let's undress that. Christ from Christos, which was the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed or anointed, the anointed one or anointed of God. So when you say that you are the Christ, you're only saying you're the anointed of God. That's it. We put a whole bunch of extra stuff on it. That's all it's saying. You're anointed and appointed to be a powerful being in the universe. That's the key. Bottom page 20. We have been misled by the focus on his divinity, meaning Jesus. We have overlooked the fact that he focused on our divinity. See, I always tell students, you do not have to demote yourself to promote Jesus. You couldn't demote Jesus if you tried. Jesus's life and demonstration speaks for itself, but you don't have to demote yourself. Demoting yourself, devaluing yourself, making yourself feel, you know, miserable sinner, which when we get to that chapter, I'm going to have a great time from miserable sinners to masters, because I think that's that should be taught. That one chapter should be taught in any church that's giving people an alternative from the fundamentalist, conservative, orthodox brands of Christianity. From miserable sinners to masters. How are you going to change the world? And you think that psychologically you're nothing or less than nothing. So less than nothing that, that God had to murder his son. And I know we say sacrifice, but that's what it means. When when when. It, it, it has to it, it, see there's accidental death. <laughs> there's suicide. There's death by natural causes. There's murder. Sacrifice. When you sacrifice a human being, that's murder. But anyway, let's move it on. Moving on. On the people cutting my show off. Moving on. And we got to wrap this up because there's so much in this in this chapter, but I think I covered what I wanted to really cover. So let's go to page 26. Don't confuse the concept of affirming the Christ within you with the traditional acceptance of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the man who became divine through discovery of the dynamic that is innate within all men. But the Christ is the self-limitingness of God at the point of man. This is the unitive relationship between God and man. Jesus became so conscious of this Christ relationship that eventually we cannot tell where the one where one began and the other left off. Thus, he became Jesus Christ, a legend. But more than this, a state of consciousness. You and I can enter that state of consciousness. In the end, we must do so, perhaps through following the stream of consciousness created by Jesus perhaps to intuitively finding the way as he found the way. But we must all make the great decision to reach for the highest and to claim the divinity within us. So I just want to make sure that you have that option because when you understand that you have the option, when you understand that the Christ is your true nature, that you're a threefold being, spirit, soul, body, and the spirit part of you has always been perfect, whole, and complete. The spirit part of you has never been sick, never been broke, never been unhappy. The spirit part of you is God in expression. Individualized God. Composite God. That God is the 
is has, center is everywhere and circumference is nowhere. But in that center and circumference, you are a point of awareness. This is key. This is key because when you get it, when you really get, and I'm not talking about surfacely, I'm talking about in your gut that you are the self-expression of God. It changes how you look at life. Now you can look at yourself and it's when you're going past the mirror, instead of looking for flaws, you realize that even your body is a divine creation. And it might not be the way you want it to look right now, but it's still a divine creation. You can bless it that the heart is beating and the lungs are breathing and the skin is still repairing itself. And if some stuff is not working the way it needs to be, you, you, you realize that you're the anointed. So what do you do? You put your hand on it or you image it if it's in, in if it's an internal organ and you start to bless it and thank God for it and thank God for the healing and you thank God for any individualized expression of God that shows up to help you in that process whether it shows up as a doctor or a nurse or a therapist or or or, or a family member that's helping you along the way because you start to see God as Jesus said in the Beatitudes blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We don't see God because we're not looking for God. We're looking for other stuff. Because if God is omnipresence, how can you miss God? But we're not in tune with that which is divine. We're conforming to the world. But the great decision is this. I can live in alignment with the truth of who I am. I can live in alignment with the truth of who I am. Will I make mistakes? Absolutely. Will I fail sometimes? For sure. And it's all okay. Nothing's wrong. Because just like when you were a baby, you fell down, you got up. You fell down, you got up. You fell down, you got up. You never got discouraged. You just got back up because you only wanted to walk. You didn't care about how many times you fell down. And when you want to express your divinity, will you mess up? Will you say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, believe the wrong thing, feel the wrong thing, do the wrong thing? Absolutely. And it's okay. Get back up and be the space that allows God to shine the light of truth through you, in you, as you. Next week, we'll cover Jesus' unique concept of God. Read the chapter in advance. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, 
and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.